Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me on this White Pill Wednesday, where we all, well, the only thing we talk about is good things Mm. on a white pill. Yep. Because, you know, despite what's happening out there, there's very few things we can look forward to. There's a few things. And who's with me is Nate Thurston. Oh, hey. Yeah. Who, uh... Who always scours the webs, and this is the most difficult day. It is the hardest to day to find content find for. Find a few things. T- today How's was not going? difficult, though. Actually, I found way too much stuff, and I don't think we're going to make it through everything oh, okay. today. And I actually did some, uh, I'm excited, because I did some investigative journalisming about something. Did you go to school for that? No. Well, then it's not real. I know. I do have a degree from GML University, GMLU, oh. as we call it. Gotcha. And so we are... We are pumped to bring you some of our my schooling later on in the podcast. Like Charlie said, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week. So if you want to smash that follow button, subscribe, go to joingmail.com like a bunch of people have been doing, and you can hang out with us live. And we can wait for Charlie together every single day of the week when we want yeah. to. Chuck, you're waiting on Chuck. So Charlie, the biggest white bill that we have to mention right now today's a it's a is this a Musk Wednesday? <laughs> well, no, actually, just the first story. Oh, a little, just the a first little bit one. of Musk. We do have a lot of dumb bleeps that have occurred over the last couple I always days. Picture his dancing, and it's really, know? really bad. Yeah. yeah, very autistic dancing. Yes. All right, Elon Musk is officially buying Twitter. I guess as long as everything goes through, all the financing and all that, Twitter has not officially hit the price of fifty-four twenty, which will be when everyone in the market is sure that this is going to happen. Right now, factoring in about an eighty percent possibility probability that he will be purchasing Twitter, and I'm excited about it. I'll tell you that <laughs> we can. We've mentioned this several times, but we have just gotten hosed as far as social media goes lately by lately i mean like the last year or so we got shut off on tiktok pretty much uh we got demonetized on facebook we've gotten our strikes on youtube um twitter has just been a big waste of time other than content that's been about it and um i don't haven't even been on instagram in like a week or more probably so i guess they're fine twitter won't even let us run ads anymore Mm -mm. can't even do that because of their political ad specifications they have so and then rumble is not there yet yeah true social there's not really yeah much there we've tried every avenue mm-hmm. trust us yeah we are victims give As- us your money and join As- gmail.com aside from creating our own our own platform if we have to that's what we're gonna do exactly all right the show will never die But no, this is a good thing, regardless of what all the people on the left are saying. I haven't seen quite as much insanity as we saw when he first started talking about it. I guess they got all of their insanity out at that time. And so we can just go back and look at those articles. But overall, I think this is going to be a good thing. We're going to see how many bots there are. A bunch of people already announcing that they've lost a bunch of followers since yesterday. So maybe they're cleaning out some spam bots. We actually lost some followers like like immediately. It's like they just hit a button that removes bots. It's it's pretty crazy. Weird. It all happened at the same time. We lost like like 400,000 followers all of a sudden on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's weird. Yeah, it's crazy how that happens. And I, like I said, I think we can all rejoice because maybe there will be less censorship. I think there's going to be 
Uh, I think it's going to be tough uh, with all the other stuff that Musk has going on. But overall, that's a white pill that we all need to really take in today because I think it really hasn't sank in yet. But Twitter is like the platform where people go to fight with one another. That's where all the information is disseminated. That's where the news, you know, something happens, you go to Twitter, see what's trending. And that's where you find out about stuff, at least for me anyway. I don't know what, how Charlie gets his news. But uh, I think this will be overall a good thing for, I don't know, I want to say for liberty, but for just free speech in general. Fascism, basically. Yeah. Good thing for fascism. Same thing, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be good. I think if um, some people get their accounts restored, would be nice. Yeah. Uh, definitely be more entertaining <laughs> to have someone like... Trump said he's not coming back on there. Mm. He said he's got true social. He's not doing it. I don't know if he can because he'd be torpedoing truth when that happens and they've already gone public. So He would, but at the same time, if he probably wants to be president more. True. So true. go where the people are. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but there's also, you know, people like Jordan Peterson and Jones. Mm-hmm. A. Jones, the Babylon B. Yeah. Babylon B. Yeah. Project Veritas. After so long, you forget about all these people that have been removed yeah. from society. You yeah. know, I forgot about Babylon B and Ricky, Ricky Bobby, <laughs> be back on there. Um, but also, I think that Mike, L- Mike Lindell. I also think that his talks about making it open source will improve the platform. Um, it'll definitely be a place where uh, things won't arbitrarily be shut down. And although it's tougher to grow like videos and things like that on Twitter, like maybe it maybe it, it's a it's a bright light for um, folks like us who are yeah. just trying to have conversations, well, and uh, we get shut down. We get flagged. Well, we get a strike on YouTube for reading the CDC's website. It's y- insane. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. They did take that away once I sent them screenshots yes. of the CDC's website. Yes, but it's still insane yeah. that, that that can happen. Now, of course, this is where principles meet, you know, like monetary value, which, you know, kind of sucks. But we still continue to do the show despite losing, I don't know. Like, did we do the percentage on revenue we lost? A lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot we'll of put revenue. put it there. A lot. Okay, so. so moving on from Elon Musk, because we do have a lot of dumb bleeps that are going to be included in Friday. A lot from Nina Turner. She was saying some dumb stuff yesterday, just real hilarious that I really wanted to talk about today. But it is White Pill Wednesday. Charlie, if you want to go down to this man that makes 21K selling. Love it. Yeah. This from Fox News. A New York man claims to have made $21,000 during a gun buyback program by 3D printing over 100 lower receivers and turning them over to police. Quote, I 3D printed a bunch of lower receivers and frames for different kinds of firearms. The man who would only identify himself as Kim, K-E-M, Kim, told this news station last week. He says he printed the gun parts on a $200 3D printer he received as a gift for Christmas and then made the six-hour drive to Utica, New York, where the Utica Police Department was hosting a gun buyback program for the New York State Attorney General's office. And he sees the tote and says, how many firearms do you have? And I said, 110. From there, he said he spent the rest of the day negotiating with the Attorney General staff over how much the repayment for the 3D printed parts would be. And it ended with the guy and a lady from the budget office finally coming, uh, coming around with the 42 gift cards and counting them in front of me. $21,000 in $500 gift cards. 
The attorney general's office did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for a comment, but told them last week that it is shameful that this individual exploited a program that has successfully taken thousands of guns off the streets to protect our communities from gun violence. (laughs) We have partnered with local police throughout the state to recover more than 3,500 guns, and one individual's greedy behavior won't tarnish our work to promote public safety. The statement continued, We have adjusted our policies to ensure that no one can exploit this program again for personal gain. It's awesome. Genius. I love it. Why didn't we do that? I don't know. I mean, that could be a that could be a whole empire right there. Just go around selling 3D printed gun parts. To the buyback programs. It's awesome. To buyback programs. Well, this happened in New York, so if they do it somewhere else, you know, like California or something, we'll just fly you out s- to California. You've seen people do this with guns that just clearly don't work anymore. Like, looks like you actually found someone who lost a gun in the tragic boating accident a yeah. long time ago, you know, and they still they still will buy it from you and you can go buy an actual gun afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's a ridiculous program uh, that clearly is not going to work. And as usual in government programs, there's all sorts of loopholes and ways that people will find the game the system. Now, okay. I this might be the best white pill we featured on the show. It's pretty good. The one downside is that $21,000 is taxpayer money. And so... But you do you know, think he's paid more than $21,000 in taxes himself to the state? Maybe. Probably. Maybe, but... And he can only use it for gas, so this is just going to make gas prices go up. Honestly, the points for creativity, that that makes it way bigger than the fact that this was tax money that the guy received, I think. Yeah. And, you know, when he uses that 21000 to go buy 21 fairly nice guns from a gun store, there'll be tax money exchanged. Well, they gave him gas money. gift cards. Car- well, he can sell those on That's true. some kind of website, you know. Yeah. Maybe get 20 guns out of it. Yeah. And sell them on eBay. Very so, nice. Love it. All right, so that's white pill number two. I guess we're we going to vote gonna, on. We're going to number these. <laughs> um, Charlie, do the next one also because I'm okay. going to be doing a lot of uh, uh, reporting coming up here. In okay, a bit. you got your. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got your journalism coming yeah. up. <laughs> All right, the next one up is from the New York Post, and um, this is this might be another. I don't know which one wins. It's a white pill. We might have to vote on these. We should right. vote. This is number three. Trevor Noah, if you haven't heard, he's leaving The Daily Show after hosting one of the Comedy Central's Hallmark, Hallmark programs for the last seven years. The South Africa native said he's loved hosting the show, calling it one of his greatest of challenges and joys. He mentioned addressing the Trump presidency and also dealing with COVID-19 pandemic during his tenure as host. Noah took over The Daily Show in 2015 after he started as a contributor the previous year. He was picked to replace the well-guarded, well-regarded Jon Stewart. He said so many people didn't believe in us. It was a crazy bet to make, Noah said, stressing he was filled with gratitude. Also, after Jon Stewart's departure, Trevor Trevor managed to bring in 1.1 million viewers for his opening show back in 2015. However... The Daily Show's ratings have been on the decline in the last few years. In May of 2021, an average of nearly 500,000 viewers tuned in to watch the show, while this number dropped to 363,000 viewers in September of the same year. In May of 2022, The Daily Show brought in around 200,000 viewers per episode. (laughs) Oh, God. Imagine The Daily Show going down the 
200,000 viewers per episode. 1.1 million down to 200,000. Ouch. Now, I just have to say, I used to watch The Daily Show all the time with Jon Stewart. And I remember when Jon Stewart took over. and uh, When when it was actually pretty funny. Pretty funny show. I thought Jon Stewart did a pretty good job. But clearly, the way politics and comedy has gone over the last few years, uh, it's gone way downhill. It's just this big liberal media circle jerk going on all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wasn't funny. Isn't funny. Now, from what I heard, he's quitting because he wants to do stand-up. And I I hope he's way better at stand-up than what he is. Maybe he'll uh, get some practice. Show. Yeah, and maybe you can learn how to be funny. Yeah. There you go. That's, yeah. Gotta that's go, right. Gotta go back to the drawing board here, learn how to be funny again. This is also, you know, I think the broader, let's say the macro level white pill on this is that eventually when enough people vote with their dollars, mm-hmm. the... The agenda that they're pushing is going to have to switch because they care more about the money than they do about the agenda. Okay. So this type of thing where they're losing out on, on all this money, uh, CNN, I mean, God, CNN plus was a disaster. Comedy central. Now, the more they push this stuff and the less people go to see it, because even your middle of the road Democrats are like, yeah, this is, uh, this is garbage. Mm -hmm. I don't want, this isn't funny anymore. It may have been funny, like, you know, at first, but now you just keep harping on the same thing. And it's clear that you're not trying to be nuanced or whatever. It's clear that you have an agenda. What, you know, what people are drawn to is authenticity. Yeah. Not a narrative. The other thing about comedy is it's supposed to be like edgy. You're supposed to say jokes that could offend people to me. I think comedy needs to be slightly offensive. Mm -hmm. And basically they decided the only people that they could possibly offend are like Republicans. Like that's about it. And anyone else, and you just can't possibly offend any of it because the woke mob will come for you eventually. Like you said, the macro level thing here is that we've seen this numerous times now with numerous shows. I don't know how many shows this is now that we've mentioned that have just been destroyed by this woke mind virus. And, and, um, it's good to see, and eventually the networks, now he's leaving. They didn't, like, cancel the show or anything. They're still going to have the show. But I'm betting it's going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. when they come back with their new host, potentially. Yeah. They caught WokeVid19. WokeVid19, I like it. Yeah. That's good. That's what happened. Unvaccinated, right. too. One of the, uh, so this is something I saw originally on Good News Network today. And I was telling everyone earlier, I spent probably a solid two hours, maybe more, uh, digging through corporate paperwork, laws, all kinds of stuff on this topic right here. Because I read about this new Florida community that was designed for resilience, survived Hurricane Ian virtually unscathed. That is the headline from Good News Network. Now, that's good. That itself is a white pill. There's a community, it's in Florida, it's 20 miles away from Fort Myers, and they had uh, some tiles off the roofs. That was it. Mm. I was going to say, was it in like Miami, where the hurricane No, it was 20 miles away from Fort Myers. Okay. And basically, no damage, no flooding. They didn't lose power. They Mm. didn't lose internet. They didn't lose anything. And so that's cool. That's a good thing. What happened? So let me tell you what the story is here from Good News Network, and I'll get you into the story um, the macro level story here. 
Even as 2 million Floridians lost power during the recent hurricane, one unique community survived intact. Despite being located around 20 miles from Fort Myers, the heart of the devastation, Babcock Ranch's blend of solar power, native flora, and built-to-code construction has meant that apart from ripped-up pool coverings, broken fence posts, and a missing shingle or two, they never even lost power. Built around 25 feet higher on average than surrounding communities, Babcock Ranch is beyond the reach of stormwaters. I, would, I would never say that. What? Beyond the reach of stormwaters? I well, mean, I mean, so far. If it's 26 feet. <laughs> if we had 26 feet stormwaters, <laughs> right. yeah, then, that, then it can... Then it can get in there for sure, but that typically uh, it's not the case. I mean, even in Nashville, we had water that probably was twenty-five feet or close to when it was over when it was over twenty-four on Bell Road. I mean, yeah, that was that was pretty high. What would you say it was close to twenty-four feet? It was probably it was probably close to that. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm just saying, never say never. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, it's not you, it's the weather. With buildings specified for Cat 4 hurricane winds of 145 mile, miles per hour, Babcock passed the test. But in 2018, specifically for climate built in 2018, the town has its own wastewater plant and water system that penetrates deep into an underground aquifer. Drinking water wasn't contaminated and never shut off. 700,000 solar panels owned by Florida Power and Light provide every home with electricity and despite covering an area of 900 acres, they remarkably sustain minimal damage. Neither power nor internet ever went out. The solar panels provided power to a storm shelter that wasn't even expected to be used because of the late delivery of a diesel generator. The last minute the shelter was opened and remained the only one in the area that still had power. Residents have organized several donation drives to help out communities less fortunate to them. Quote, it is a constant outpouring of support from Babcock Ranch residents who know how incredibly fortunate they are to have homes and communities still intact, hmm. someone said. All right, so I also saw a lot of other articles, like that website Common Dreams, which is like a commie, like a socialist-leaning organization they're always posting about. The yeah, Commie it's Dreams. Like, it's like a Bernie. Commie Dreams. Like Bernie, Commie, Wet Dreams website hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And... And so they posted about it, talking about how the solar panels are helping that we all have to move towards this climate resiliency for the future because of climate change and all that. And that's what all these news articles are about. And I'm telling you all of them because I read all of them today to make sure that none of them covered some of the other important stuff. And the government is the one who put this plan this, in place, obviously, right? is this a planned Community. That is as far as anyone ever said in any articles. Mm -hmm. The planned community. Led by a benevolent leader. Government, yeah. Yeah, government, right? And, and so what no one ever mentioned in any of the articles, here's a bunch of headlines right here. Uh, I went through all of them, Business Insider, um, all of these articles talking about sustainable and resilient. Here was its first test. CBS News, Hurricane Ian destroyed power systems and ravaged homes. One Southwest Florida community completely powered by solar escaped with little damage. CNN, this 100% solar community endured Hurricane Ian with no loss of power and minimal damage. So let's talk about Babcock Ranch here for a sec. Because I read through all this and I noticed one thing in the Good News Network article which is that they had their own wastewater plant and water system that penetrates deep into an underground aquifer. 
That reminded me that Florida has these interesting districts that we've talked about in the past as it pertains to Disney, because Disney essentially operates their own little government inside of Florida. Well, Disney's not the only place that has that. The Babcock Ranch Independent Special District was the the second special district in Florida after the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is where Disney is. Which is no longer... And I, I just I just wanted to mention that none of the articles mention this whatsoever at, at all. I'll, it was a planned community, 100% solar. And the solar, by the way, is provided by Florida Power and Light. So they got to put in there that Florida is providing the solar power for this community. To make you think that this was government Yes, yeah, benevolence. But I, I did go in. I looked into all of their paperwork, the Babcock Ranch Community Independent Special District. That's what it's called. If you're watching the video, you'll see that I pulled screenshots of all of this stuff. And what you're watching right now is Nate Thurston, journalist from GMLU journalist. Live. Yes, I did some deep journalism. Did you do interviews? Did you call these people? I did not. No, I just read a That's whole bunch of stuff. That's the next step in your journalism That's the next, process. Yeah, yeah. The next, you'll be on the phone. The next leg of the Ask if they want to make a comment. That's right. It's not a bad idea, actually, trying to call someone to get a comment. No. Never even thought about that before. It's a great idea. You're... Hey, I talked to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> just what he said. He just wants to be known as Kim. <laughs> K-E-M. So, by the way, the Babcock Ranch was purchased in 2006 for about $500 million by this firm called Kitson & Partners, which is a real estate development. Uh, interestingly enough, Kitson, the guy who started this thing, used to play for the Packers and the Cowboys. In the, uh, in the 80s. So they provide their own water, sewage, road, schools, security, all that, all that stuff. And just to make sure that that was the case, because these districts are all a little bit different. You know, I don't know what exactly it is that they provide. <clears throat> I went through the actual bill from uh, 2007 when this went out that created this independent special district just to make sure. And so I went through here and I found all the stuff where they create the district and then they talk about they're going to provide water management control of the lands. The district is going to have power to do that, uh, provide water supply, sewer, wastewater management, all those things, bridges, culverts, all that stuff, uh, highways, streets, roads, trails, pathways, tons of stuff going on here. Parks, how about that? Fire prevention and control, including fire stations, emergency medical and rescue response services, school buildings and related structures. All of this stuff. I think there's five schools in, inside of this thing. Security. Got all kinds of stuff. And how do they pay for all this stuff? Well, they sell bonds. They're able to sell bonds like a lot of governments do. And then they pay those back by taking in property taxes from, from the uh, people who live there. By the way, the people who vote on how much the property taxes can be, you got to be a property owner inside of the place to be able to vote on what the taxes are going to be. Ooh. Interesting. Slavery. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a black pill. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. Just yeah, throwing sorry. in. Yeah. Sorry to throw that out there for you. Weird that you have to be a property owner to vote on property taxes. Okay. So first off, this is just pretty cool. This is a localized, essentially a government that was created by a corporation, a real estate development corporation. By a former Cowboys player. By a former Cowboys player. Yeah. The extra white pill. Yeah. He only you played the, for the Cowboys for like half a season. That doesn't matter. In 1984. <laughs> so, That's fine. Not anyone I recognize. Played for the Packers for like five years, though. Boo. It's definitely not where he got all of his money. Mm-mm. And so this is, it, 
aside from all these news stories, first off, they didn't lose power. Sure, they're uh, sustainable. They got their solar panels. They got all this stuff going on. But the government is the one that provides all of that stuff, right? Mm. So we'll talk about that a little bit, too. I went on to Florida's website, and they had this 800-slide-long PowerPoint presentation. I pulled one of them. It says reasons that they create special districts. They empower citizens that govern their own neighborhood or community. It's like a big HOA. It is. Yeah. They serve as a financing mechanism for the public and private sectors to govern, finance, construct, operate, and maintain essential public services and facilities. Uh, They provide enhanced or specialized public services in response to citizen demand that a county or municipality may be unable or unwilling to offer. Uh, They focus costs only on only those who benefit from the services and facilities as opposed to everyone. And they save money for citizens by selling tax-exempt bonds. So that's that's pretty cool. Now I went through some. I went in the Wayback Machine. This actually was in the Wayback Machine to this article from the New York Times. I wanted to figure out how how people felt about this whole thing. Was it easy for them to do this? So I went back to when they created this. This thing almost didn't happen. And I want everyone to remember this is an area that has a city that just got hit by an almost Category 5 hurricane. Nearly Category 5. And withstood. That withstood. Laughed in the face of the storm. Kitson himself stayed in the community to ride out the storm just to make sure it was good, by the way. I also thought that that was pretty cool. So I went into this New York Times article. They were talking about him buying this uh, back in 2006. Ellen Peterson, an environmentalist who opposes the development called the Babcock deal a tragedy for Southwest Florida. Ruby Daniels, who's 67 and has lived near the Babcock Ranch her entire life, said, a culture is about to vanish. People who love the rural rural lifestyle feel powerless right now. The state should have tried harder to acquire the entire ranch. Now, that's an interesting part. You see, when this was being sold, the state was trying to buy it themselves, and they couldn't get the bid up high enough. And so these people are mad that the state didn't actually get the land, that this guy got the land. What do you think would have happened in this area if the state would have just bought all the land? Do you think that this 100% sustainable, perfect community would have existed a few years later? It probably would have been better. It would have been just better after that. Streets would have been made of gold. (laughs) Of course. You know. Of course. Everybody would have had health care. Yeah. That's the problem there. There's no college or university that's free. And people don't have free health care there. The Coalition of Environmental Groups, uh, Audubon of Florida, A Thousand Friends of Florida, the Everglades Foundation, the Everglades Trust, and the Florida Wildlife Federation began negotiations with Mr. Kitson over issues ranging from hunting permits to sewage treatment. Uh, It was when the groups announced their support of the deal that the Florida legislature appropriated the money for the purchase. So it wasn't until the environmental groups decided that they were going to support it. And after that, by the way, the Sierra Club still tried to stop them from building this. They tried really hard to go to the county and block this uh, because they wanted to uh, prevent the urban sprawl and endangering wildlife. So anyway, they, they mentioned in this that it was very, very close to this not happening at all. And they said if, the, if they wouldn't have bought it, that the people who owned it before them would have just sold it off and they would have developed the entire thing. In this case, like 99% of it still didn't get developed. It was the largest land deal ever in Florida history, other than Florida itself when it was a land deal. So, all right, let's go just a little bit further 
into this. Here's another way it almost didn't happen. You know, we mentioned that Florida, well, they're the ones providing all these solar panels. You know, that's why they're able to be 100% sustainable. This is back in 2014. They made a deal with Florida Power and Light. The uh, the uh, real estate development firm did. It ends months of squabbling before the Florida Public Service Commission over proposal by the Babcock Ranch Community Independent Special District to create its own power utility for the planned development. Kitson and Partners, behind the Babcock Ranch project, had intended to create a separate utility franchise to serve the community through unique approvals of Florida lawmakers granted amid the Great Recession. But the Lee County Electric Cooperative, which also had been slated to sell power in that area, challenged Babcock's plan, saying that the new utility would cost it revenue and make it raise rates for its members. So the Lee County Electric Cooperative. Now, the important part here is that they actually didn't want to even go through Florida for any of these solar panels. They were going to do it themselves. Yeah. And the Lee County Electric Cooperative, who was going to be selling in this area, said that this would hurt their revenue. So they were blocking them from being able to make their own solar panels. So then the big guy comes over the top, which is Florida Power and Light, uh, which also sells energy to Lee County. They came in and said, you know what? We're just going to do it. We're just going to provide the solar panels. We'll settle this. Yeah. And so that's how they settle on it. So when people talk about how the state has provided these solar panels, keep in mind that is because the state literally blocked this company from building their own solar panels and said that they were going to do it and they wanted them to buy from the state. Just, yeah. just something else they to, had to. Uh, to keep in mind. <laughs> so the world's most sustainable city. I found tons of articles about this whole thing. And I think it's important to mention the white pill as we go long on this topic right now. This is all from a private company going and basically getting an independent government status inside of a state and creating this community. And if they wouldn't have done that, probably wouldn't have any that exist. It's pretty cool. It's awesome. Yeah. And they tried to do even more, but the government wouldn't let yeah. them. Yeah. So instead the government Imagine how much cheaper it would be if they had their own solar panels. So they I saw Can you imagine like how crazy is that? That you own land. Mm-hmm. And you can't put whatever you want on it. Yeah. Like, that's just pretty crazy. In America. Because you might affect the in other. America. If you start a power company, which is what they wanted to do, they wanted to start a power company in the area. The other power company that would have been selling to them was upset about that because that would hurt their revenue. Of course so it would. So they were able to block them from starting their own power company. <sighs> Free market. At its finest right there. It's unfettered capitalism. <laughs> it is. That's, unfettered corporate greed. That's all it is. That's all this is. Uh, anyway, that was the the majority of my investigation. What do you think, Charlie? That was that was good. Yeah. That was, you went deep. Just think, all the The articles, only thing that's missing is a comment from Mr. Kitson himself. Yeah, I didn't get a comment from him. All right. Uh, but think of all the articles that I went through reading about all this and- no one mentioned that this is in one of those special districts, like what Disney has. They talk about how state-of-the-art this community is. They even talk about how qu- quaint it is. It's not like real big and built up. It's all ranch-style houses, low, you know, low one-floor houses, nice, perfect community, and it's all a private company that did it. Minus the Florida Power Company. Minus the Power Company, which, to. which was through force. Right. 
And by the way, Florida spent $350 million putting those solar panels in when that private company was wanting to do it on their own in the first place. So you do the math on that one. Jesus. Oh, because well, they're going to make a lot more than $350 million over the I believe the years. that was Jeb Bush on that one that, uh, that did that. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. You know, sometimes we all get stuck in this cycle of only focusing on the problems we face instead of finding ways to solve those problems. We deal with a lot of that on this show. Of course, we talk politics every single day. It's a bunch of people upset about problems, and hardly anyone is talking about real solutions. That gets all of us stuck in this negative cycle. It's tough to get out of. I've been able to get out of this cycle in the past because I chose to go to therapy. Just like everyone, I've had tons of problems to work through in the past, and talking to someone really helped me focus on the right things. I got out of the problem cycle and into the problem-solving cycle. If you think you could benefit from therapy, I recommend trying BetterHelp. It's convenient, affordable, and accessible entirely online, so you can get matched with a therapist after filling out a quick survey, and you can even switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com GML. Here's another white pill. Switching gears here. Back to WokeVid19 here. WokeVid19. Yeah. This is from Fee. I was wrong about COVID vaccine mandates. That's a good title. Mm -hmm. there. Paul. By the way, this is from John Miltimore. Fee. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks, John. I don't know how to say that last name. I was just giving you another second okay. to think about it. Paul Finneves. 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 A primary care physician, a PCP in New York City, who specializes in internal medicine, recently admitted he was wrong to support vaccine mandates. Quote, I was initially supportive of COVID vaccine mandates in the fall of 2021. At the time, I was told, I was told <laughs> that COVID vaccines don't only protect the individual receiving the vaccine, but they also benefit the community by reducing spread of the virus. He told, or he wrote, uh, on the Substack, Sensible Medicine. Convinced that mandatory vaccination would create, quote, a wall of immunity that would bring the pandemic to an end more quickly. He said it seemed, quote, reasonable to prioritize society, uh, yeah, societal welfare over individual autonomy, noting that early clinical trials of Pfizer's vaccine were shown to stop 95% of infections. Surely a vaccine that prevents almost all infections would halt community spread, right? Wrong, he writes. Perhaps there was a time when COVID vaccines could significantly reduce community transmission, but that time was short-lived and the virus quickly evolved and learned to evade vaccine-induced immunity. For Finivez, he, uh, his awakening moment came in December of 2021 when Portugal experienced a massive surge of COVID despite a vaccination rate of more than 90%. He concedes there are other reasons one could support mandatory vaccination, even if it doesn't reduce community spread, noting that some contend forced, noting that some contend forced vaccination is moral because it's done for their own good. It's still not moral. It's still not moral. It's moral for people to no. decide to get the vaccine, uh, I think, uh, if they're trying to help the community and you make that decision because you think it would be best for the community. Like, that's a moral decision, but a society can't make a moral decision for individuals. Right. 
in my opinion. I don't think so either. All right. I mean, I don't like. I don't think you can force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. As long as, as they're long not, as they're not harming. Yeah. Someone in the process. Well, Charlie, spreading around this virus. <laughs> I mean, that surely that's harmful. You would have to prove it. You would have to prove it in the court of yeah. COVID, as we it's, said a couple of years exactly. ago. Quote, which we went back and forth on this so many times. So go listen to the episode starting in 2020. We used to argue about whether or not you should wear masks and whether or not you could, you know, it was okay to force people to wear masks because, you know, they could spread it and potentially be harming people way back in the early days. I never said it was okay to force. Way back in the early days. No, I never said it was okay to force. I was just saying you should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quote, I find these arguments to be weak justifications for violating an individual's autonomy and mandating a medical intervention, he writes. Furthermore, these arguments are completely inadequate when applied to young people whose risk of hospitalization from COVID is low and whose likelihood of benefiting from vaccination is similarly low. We don't have to go to the rest. I was just going to highlight. We got one doctor. Yeah. Now, and it's, there's been more. It's good that he's saying he's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a Cornell University physician. So that's yeah, definitely part of the woke left, Cornell. Now, he's not all the way there yet. He's still saying that he was wrong because he thought that it was going to stop community spread, and it didn't. So therefore, it was wrong to mandate them. And now he is making arguments about bodily autonomy and individual. Saying if there was something that yeah. yeah would be good for society, then he would still support something so, like that. So basically. That's, that's not good. But this is step one. Mm-hmm. And you always have to, even if you still disagree with someone, if they make a good step in your direction, you have to at least acknowledge it and encourage people that do that, even if they're not all the way there. You have to encourage it because if they come that way and they see that they don't get any encouragement, then they have no incentive to continue to move in that direction. The seed has been planted and Mm -hmm. I think is sprouting. Mm -hmm. We just have to wait for it to grow into a plant. (laughs) Exactly. And then the plant. All right, one more thing. There were a couple honorable mentions. Is this mentions. a gray pill, <laughs> says Bailey? Because it's yeah. still a white pill. It's still good to have yeah. people come out and say they were wrong. More and more people do that. You know, that could help the next time around, I guess. A couple honorable mentions that we're not going to do the stories. Uh, this one goes to Newsweek. Thank you, Newsweek, for allowing a couple opinion articles that would normally not be seen in any type of mainstream publication like this one. It says, six months after the Freedom Convoy, Trudeau's lies and cowardice are clearer than ever. And written by a trucker, posted in Newsweek. And I saw it, like, right when I went to their homepage today. I, that's cool. Here's another one. It says, globalism is dead and democracy killed it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put the links to these articles. We're not going through them. I'm going to put the links to these articles in the show notes. Give them a click. All right? They need to see that this stuff can get clicks. So that's all I'm going to say. Thank you to Newsweek for actually posting some stuff that's not just the normal left, crazy left opinion, and instead allowing some other uh, better opinions out there. It's weird how these far-right leaders are gaining power here. I know, I know. And one other thing that we're not going to do an article on, but another honorable mention, did you see SpaceX launch some people into space today? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, I watched that earlier. Here's the cool thing. One of the one of the astronauts was a was a cosmonaut, a Russian. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm pro Putin or anything like that. This is what's so cool about space. Am I, we have all the think about all the stuff going on around the world right now. Mm. All right. All the all the stuff we're dealing with. And we still 
see this higher goal above us. It's literally higher. Okay, so it's up in space. A lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. And we're able to forget like about... 43 miles higher. We, we leave behind all the stupid stuff that's going on on this little blue rock, and you let a Russian into your spaceship with you, which is dangerous, okay? Because they could end up trying to take ownership of that mm-hmm. thing. And instead, these people fly up there together. They're going to hang out on the ISS together, and everything's fine. There's still cooperation between people. And I just, for some reason, that made me feel good seeing that. I think it is good. All right. That was an honorable mention. I heard something about, um, I didn't look into this. I don't know if you know. Did, did China land on the dark side of the moon? I saw some speculation about that. I don't video, know if they did or like not. Like never Maybe before seen video or something. I didn't get a chance to look into it. I just saw a headline. I don't know. So that's the, that's the way I approach headlines. It's like, I hey, know. I saw something. <laughs> Didn't get a chance to look into it. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard China landed on the dark side of the moon. I wonder if Pink Floyd was there. Dang it. I was going to say that. And I was like, oh, I don't know if Charlie will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I decided not to. I don't know as much as you, Nate, but I mean, I'm pretty close. You're so much younger than I am. I just didn't know if you would get <laughs> my people's music, you know? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm the same way with articles, by the way. I saw all this stuff about Credit Suisse maybe going going bankrupt and all that and going to be the next financial collapse, which could happen. But I've been telling everyone in the trading class, natescrashcourse.com, is that I haven't dug into the whole thing yet. And for all I know, it's just a bunch of people fear-mongering, trying to get some clicks, and trying to talk about the financial crisis. And you see, the, the thing that made me not believe it yet was that the concerning statistics that were out there, here's how much money uh, Lehman Brothers had under management, and here's how much money Credit Suisse has under management. And it was like five or six times more. I can't remember exactly what it was. There's a hell of a lot more money in the money pool right now than there was in 2007. And so my answer has been, I haven't looked into it yet. I don't know. And honestly, you can learn this at natescrashcourse.com. They can kick the can down the road for another 10 years. Yeah. Charlie was no- talking about that. I was like, surely we can't. I'm like, no, we can keep kicking it. You never know. We could be up at all-time highs in six months if they want to kick it down the road yeah. further. Mm-hmm. It all depends on what the Fed wants to do. Yep. So, natescrashcourse.com. <laughs> all right. Dot com. Here's a funny one, kind of. This article isn't, but the response to it is. From the New York Times, how a tiny elections company became a conspiracy theory target. Now, why is this article in White Pill? I will tell you shortly why it's in White Pill. At an invitation-only conference in August at a secret location southeast of Phoenix... <laughs> A group of Jekyll Island is what I was thinking about. Jekyll, not Ellis. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. A group of election deniers unspooled a new conspiracy theory about the 2020 presidential outcome. Using threadbare evidence or none at all, the group suggested that a small American election software company, Koenig, had secret ties to the Chinese Communist Party and had given the Chinese government backdoor access to personal data about 2 million poll workers in the United States. In the two years since Trump lost the election, conspiracy theorists have been subject have subjected election officials and private companies that play a major role in elections to a barrage of outlandish voter fraud claims. But the attacks on how did I say it the first time? Conic? Conish? Conic. Conic? I don't know how you say it. Demonstrate how far right election deniers are also giving more attention 
to new and more secondary companies. Their claims find repetitive online audience, which then use assertions to raise doubts about the integrity of American elections. Man. Unlike other election technology companies targeted by election deniers, Conic, a company based in Michigan with 21 employees, has nothing to do with collecting, counting, and reporting ballots in American elections. Instead, it helps clients like L.A. and Allen County with basic election logistics. Connick said none of the accusations were true. It said all the data for its American customers were stored on servers in the U.S. and that it had no ties to the Chinese government. But the claims have had consequences. Connick's founder, Eugene Yu, an American citizen from China in 1986, went into hiding because of all the threats, you know, all that stuff. He said he's cried other than the birth of his daughter. He hasn't cried since kindergarten hmm. because of these election deniers, ma'am. The company said it forced it to conduct costly audits that are going to threaten future deals. They go into more and more conspiracy theorists claiming that the company has foreign ties and being upset that they're signing new deals with other election boards. Uh, this organization, True the Vote, has been attacking them. Connick has completely denied everything. Company that said it didn't have any data breaches but declined to provide details. Anyway, you go through all this. Connick even sued True the Vote last month, accusing it of defamation. Here's the uh, fun part about this massive um, coddling of this company and talking about right-wing election deniers. The, the next funny part about this is that this was written, um, I think, on the 3rd of October. And then yesterday, the CEO of the company uh, was arrested. <laughs> For sharing data with China. <laughs> <laughs> wow. One day after yeah. New York Times reporter dismissed allegations. This is on Yahoo News. Yeah. Whoa. A sympathetic profile of Eugene Yu and his election logistics software firm Conic was published by the New York Times on Monday. Stuart Thompson, a technology reporter specializing in misinformation and disinformation, declared that Connick had been accused of giving the Chinese government backdoor access to the personal information of poll workers based on threadbare evidence or even none at all. A day later, Thompson, the same guy, had the report that you had been arrested. <laughs> L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon put in a statement, as part of an investigation into the possible theft of personal identifying information, uh, the information was stored on servers in the People's Republic of China, a breach of the county's contract with Connick. <laughs> now so, isn't that awesome the whole article the conspiracy theory right wing nut jobs yep domestic terrorists <laughs> just on and on and on and on and on and on oh and the guy gets arrested the next day and the truth shall <laughs> set you free now, my friends the thing also to say about this does not prove that some of the conspiracy theorists here's the problem with conspiracy theorists like you can have this idea conic has ties to china and might be sharing the information of poll workers with the people's republic of china yeah that's what we know all right kind of like COVID might have been created in a lab because they mm -hmm. were mutating viruses in the Wuhan yeah. lab. So it might be possible that then, mutating those things in a lab could come from that lab and leak out into the public. Craziness. Yeah. Very, yeah. Really crazy stuff.
far-right extremism. Now that then, the problem with the conspiracy theories is that then morphs into China affected our election. China's changing votes because of this election company, which they didn't have anything to do with the vote process. They just have data on poll workers, stuff like that. And so the conspiracy theories, you know, they work up and work up. But um, the point is, the original idea uh, was correct. They did have ties to China. The guy who ran the company is uh, from China. He's an American citizen. Okay. Innocent until proven Chinese. <laughs> but he was, in fact. You can say that because you're, you're part Asian. Yeah. yeah. After everything they did to my people. Yeah. Yeah, I can say that. It's fine. Mm. Anyway. I thought that was pretty hilarious. And just so you know, we don't always get the person arrested the day after the New York Times publishes a piece talking about conspiracy theorists and election deniers and all but that kind of stuff. But when we do. <laughs> when we do. You got to mention, that, but you, don't, you don't always get that. Sometimes they post this and then it's months later or it's never found out or sometimes they're right. But you always have to be open to all of the possible avenues that there could be out there yep. and not just believe because the New York Times wrote this scathing piece about election deniers that this entire thing is false and totally made up by Trump. I'm shocked that Yahoo put the uh, New York Times reporter well, dismissed allegations. Yahoo's like MSN. It's I like know, an aggregator still, of news posts. I wonder if the so, New York Times will issue an apology. Probably not. New York Times posted the same guy wrote an article about being uh actually i think i had a screenshot i searched the guy's name here's october 3rd how a tiny elections company became a conspiracy theorist target october 4th election software executive arrested on suspicion of theft by the same guy <laughs> same guy on on both of them they didn't really talk about anything other than he had been the target of election deniers for a long time that was like it there wasn't like a an apology or anything like that so God. and the guy's innocent until proven guilty by the way that's true okay yeah we don't know so we know it, okay. is, it is weird that they had information stored in, in servers in China. Yeah. So that's pretty damning evidence there. But we don't know. Okay. Maybe somebody else did it. What was the best uh, white pill? Charlie, put some numbers in the group. Are we going to vote on these? One is um, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Two is the guy making 3D printed guns and selling them back. Three is Trevor Noah leaving The Daily Show. Four is the Florida community babcock ranch five is let's get to it wrong about the covid vaccine mandates the doctor and then these were just honorable mentions and six is the new york times conspiracy theory target election I put, deniers i put you ten, put 10 of them in there so just in case yeah you never know so all right, vote for your favorite white pill. This is new. Sure. We, yeah. White so, pill of the week. And if you want to do that, then you got to go to joingmail.com to watch us live and vote. That's the fine folks in here. See, when it comes to elections, we do bribe mm -hmm. folks. You got to so pay. There's a poll tax. You got to pay for that. Uh, while you're doing that, please share the show with a friend, a family member, and a foe. And go to natescrashcourse.com to learn about the market. Go to GodHatesFeds.com to help support us. We've been seeing those shirt orders, puzzle orders, all that stuff come through. That really helps a lot because, um, as we mentioned, Nate got us fired from making money other places. So <laughs> yeah. we need we need a little bit of support uh, just to keep a light on or two. You know, the, these lights cost money. You can't tell, but there's one, two, three. There's five lights. Well, the good thing is here. that 
we pay the same regardless of how much electricity we use in the office. So we just leave the lights on all the time because mm -hmm. who cares? Yeah. But the lights at my house, I turn those off because you guys haven't bought enough shirts. We run the office mm -hmm. like Motel 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So consider um, something if you want to. And a free way to support us would be sharing the show and leaving us leaving the rating and review on Apple Podcast and Spotify, and two places I know that you can leave those reviews. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, for listening, taking the time to listen and share the show. Um, we love what we do, so uh, please continue to do that. Tell your friends. Looks like the election conspiracy theory, of course, is white pill of the week. Yes, there you go. It's a white pill and it's hilarious. Yep. So, all right, y'all. Like I said, if you do, if you enjoyed it and you do all of those things, then we'll be back again tomorrow for some more black pills. <laughs> Until then, I hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Investors like you have a problem. Today, most portfolios only include stocks and bonds. While it's currently performing, it's a strategy that Goldman Sachs predicted in 2023 to underperform for the next decade. Luckily, our sponsor, Masterworks Advisors, focuses on a non-traditional alternative asset, helping over 15,000 investors diversify a portion of their overall portfolios with blue-chip post-war contemporary art. Over 60% of wealth managers surveyed by Deloitte have already integrated art into their wealth management offering. And by signing up at masterworks.com slash advisors with code free, you can talk to a registered investment advisor representative who deals exclusively with this alternative asset class. So schedule a free same-day advisory call with Masterworks Advisors just by going to masterworks.com slash advisors and using promo code free. That's masterworks.com slash advisors promo code free. This advertisement relates to the provision of advisory services by Masterworks Advisors, LLC, and is not intended to offer or solicit investment in any securities and is not investment advice. Masterworks Advisors is affiliated with Masterworks.